0: motorsport 411 presents all the four and two-wheeled action motorsport 411 with sean Cartavillas. welcome to motorsport 411 your home for all your four and two wheel action in Africa This week we have an exclusive as we speak to Dakar Motorcycle Superstar, the Kalahari Ferrari, Ross Branch from Botswana. All the four and two wheeled action, Motorsport
1: 411. Hey guys, I'm Ross Branch, the Kalahari Ferrari and you're listening to Motorsport 411. Welcome
0: to the show. So this week, we have an exclusive as we speak to the Dakar Motorcycle Superstar, Ross Branch. Ross, uh, thank you so much for speaking to us on Motorsport 411, uh, the Kalahari Ferrari, uh, the motorcycle superstar from Botswana who's competing in the 2023 Dakar Rally. Uh, Ross, uh, thank you so much once again for speaking to us. Uh, Just tell us first of all uh, how the preparations are going uh, for this Dakar Rally.
1: Guys, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's uh, it's awesome, you know, <laughs> to be be on a show back home. Um, it's really cool. So, preparations are going extremely well. You know, uh, we've we've had a change of teams from the last era. I'm with uh, Hero Motorsports at the moment, um, the Indian brand, the biggest motorcycle manufacturer in the world, and uh, things are going extremely well. Um, I'm really happy with the bike. You know, we've done uh, a couple of rallies now. I've done my my third rally with them, and uh, things are going extremely well. We. We've been training hard the last couple of months, and and putting our head down, and uh, being in a position where we need to be to, you know, go for the, for a good result at Dakar. So it's been a lot of hard work, and um, I'm fit, and I'm healthy, and mentally I'm strong. So things are going extremely well, and we've got a couple of exciting months coming up before Dakar. You know, we've only got two months left, and. Um, we got a couple of trips to, to Namibia, into the sand dunes to, to do the final tests and the whole team is coming out to Southern Africa, which is extremely amazing for us. You know, we need the international exposure over here and uh, yeah, I've, I'm excited and uh, looking forward to, to the next couple of months of training and obviously for the Dakar.
0: Now you were with Monster Yamaha. Uh, that's a big team in itself. Uh, what persuaded you to move across to Hero?
1: Yeah, you know, it was. Uh, I think it was just the uh, time had come to an end with with Yamaha and Dakar in general. You know, they had uh, decided to opt out of Dakar for the future until. Uh, uh, a later stage and um, you know I saw the, the Hero Motorsports team was incredible you know in the such short time that they've been involved in Dakar their team has evolved so much and their results have, have proven it you know they've gone just in the short seven years that they've been with the Dakar Rally they've they've managed to go from um, you know mid, mid-pack mid to, to winning stages in the Dakar so I think the timing was right for me to go over there you know I've been friends with the team since I started Dakar Rally and uh, um, the guys are all super fun and and it's a homely vibe and it's a family vibe. So I think for me coming from Botswana and uh, the person that I am, I, I think it just suited me. You know, everything worked well and uh, obviously it's 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 a it's a big step. You know, going from Monster Energy Yamaha into to Hero Motorsports and and the unknown. You know, it was was uh, extremely exciting for me. But uh, yeah, I'm 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 really happy. The best move I could have made. The team is incredible. The team manager is a wealth of knowledge and experience in in rally racing in general, and has everything really well thought out. and And uh, the team is is very professional. And uh, at the same time, you know, the they know I put enough pressure on myself to win, so the pressure doesn't come from them, which is um, you know a big help for me. Um, I don't need the extra pressure. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm super happy and. Like I say, I think it was a great move and uh yeah, you know I was I was happy um throughout my rally career I've been extremely happy and I think this is just a good step in the right direction and uh it's what I need to go and win Dakar. So I think it's all in all was a good move.
0: Ross, you just come back from India. Uh what was going on there exactly?
1: yeah you know it's an incredible place uh you know this is luckily enough my second trip to india in the short time that i've been with euro motorsports and uh we just went over there to do a dakar press conference and uh, they've got an extremely amazing project on the go at the moment it's uh india's next hero and uh they've taken guys that have never ridden bikes and and they've put them on a on a track and taught them for the last couple of months and uh they've they've uh, got three lucky winners that have uh, got a contract from hero to race for for the next year on their national side, so you know it's an opportunity of a lifetime that they've given to one of their guys or a couple of their guys and uh it's extremely awesome to see that they' put him back into motorsport as much as they have and uh, I loved it. I really enjoyed my time over there. The hospitality was incredible and yeah, I think it just shows the you know the depth of the team and and the the chance they're willing to take on on other riders to have a future for them, you know. So it's uh, good to see, and it just, just you know, it just cements my place at at Euro, making sure that I have made the right decision. It just shows that I have, and uh, yeah, it was it was an incredible trip and a trip of a lifetime, and I'm super proud to be able to give back to to the to the country as well for for them giving me the opportunity of a lifetime.
0: Now, they have been uh, recruiting riders. Uh, I won't say poached uh, riders, but they have been recruiting riders. Uh, Can you tell us uh, probably some of the big names uh, who are in the team with you?
1: Yeah, sure. I think they've got a, a extremely strong team. You know, they they're very clever with the with the team decisions and the team dynamic is is really good. And uh, you know, they they take the riders that will make a strong team all round and not just the guys that are going to win stages. So, um, you know, it's uh, Joaquim Rodriguez who is an extremely famous rider from back in the day in Supercross and Motocross, and now is. The first rider to ever win a stage for Hero Motorsports, and the and uh, you know the first time an Indian brand is, has won a stage at Dakar, so he's an extremely strong rider, a very. Clear- Ever rider. Then we've got Franco Kaimi from Argentina, who is probably one of the fittest riders there and uh, really strong as well. Got some good results. Sebastian Bueller is our youngest rider in the team. And, uh, you know, his first Dakar was the same time as me. So we're really good friends. And he is, um, yeah, really strong. And then obviously myself. So there's, there's a team of four that is uh, pretty strong for Dakar. And uh, we get along extremely well. And yeah, it's a it's an exciting time for Hero Motorsports as well as for all of us riders. And we're all together now in India. And it's um, yeah, it was a it was a true team team get together. And I think we actually we had a blast. You know, all of us were laughing and joking the whole time. And when it came down to the serious stuff, we we had a good time with each other. And it was yeah, really incredible to see. And yeah, like I say, I'm just happy to be a part of the team and lucky enough to be a part of such an amazing team.
0: Ross, it's been quite a journey for you. Uh, your first Dakar was in 2019 as a privateer. Uh, just tell us uh, how you got the idea to start doing the Dakar.
1: <laughs> it's been a it's been a trip of ups and downs, eh? And I think as any any athlete in general, no matter the sports, I think you go through those highs and the lows throughout your career. Um, and it started way back when I was six years old. My dad took me to watch uh, Perry Le Cap, which was the Dakar, but it was going from Paris to Cape Town, and uh, from then, you know, my dad and I have watched it every year in January, we've been sitting down every single night watching the Dakar, and I have always wanted to be a part of it, I didn't know exactly how I could do it, the Dakar, you know, I didn't know the ins and the outs, um, and then I, I approached uh, my team at the time, which was Francisca Brandl from KTM South Africa, and said that I wanted to do this, and uh, she she was really keen to help me out with the support and stuff, but she wanted us to win a couple of South African national championships, so so I won. Uh, the the deal was I could go after winning my second one, but I won three before we decided to go. And uh, you know it was, it was it was really difficult at times. You know we had to raise, 120,000 euros, which is uh, 1.2 million rand, at the time just to go and race the d- So it was a uh, it was a real battle, a real struggle to raise the money. But there were so many supportive people throughout Africa that that got involved. You know we had we had a uh, so many people buying t-shirts and stickers and everything that they could to help me get to to reach and follow my dreams so i'll be forever grateful for everybody you know that believed in me to get me there and uh yeah we we went there in 2019 not knowing what to expect um and it was an incredible experience i did uh, extremely well i finished 13th overall and was the winner of the rookie category which is exactly what we wanted you know and uh my second year was was just as tough we had to raise just as much money and uh, the goal was to better my my, uh, my result and whether that meant overall result or just go out there and show that I had what it takes to go and eventually win Dakar one day and uh, stage 2 of 2020 I managed to win a stage in the Dakar rally which was a dream come true and from there I think it's um you know it showed that I have the potential what it takes to do extremely well in the rally so um, at that time, you know, KTM weren't in a position to to help me out, and uh, obviously it opened up some doors for some incredible teams. Um, and that's when we made the decision to go with uh, Monster Energy Yamaha. You know, Yamaha's been around uh, the Dakar Rally for many, many years, and obviously one of my idols, Stefan Peter Hansel, was uh, and still is a true, true Yamaha fan. So it was uh, for me the right decision, and we went to Yamaha for two years. Um, an incredible time. I learned so much, and and was really up there. I was managed to to win my first uh, ever round of the world championship in Kazakhstan, and uh, yeah, we had some good memories. And then, like I say, it was just time to move on, and uh, you know, try something new. And Hero is. Um, is in a good position and they're growing so fast and so well and, uh, you know, everything's open, an open book there and uh, we put him back into the team as much as we take him out which is exactly what I like to do. So, yeah, that's a a basic outlook of of my short-lived rally career but, uh, yeah, I think there's a good future for me and I really hope that within the next couple of years I can be one of the top contenders at Dakar and uh, fight for the podium.
0: Now, uh, looking at the dakar itself and it's it's an incredible event but you need stamina it's an endurance event uh, you see people coming in the middle of the night uh, how, how do you cope with the conditions
1: yeah you know uh, there's a reason they say it's the toughest race and toughest option race in the world and that's exactly because of that. Um, You never know what you're going to get each day. Every day is different. Uh, There's so many emotional roller coasters that go on during Dakar. Um, whether it's from the riding, whether it's from the fatigue, whether it's mentally drained, you know, you every day is a is a roller coaster, <laughs> and um, there is obviously a, a whole a whole continent that backs me as well, which also adds to it. You know, uh, there's so many messages of support and so many messages of good luck and and everything like that, which keeps us going, and uh, I'm really grateful for that. But. Uh, you know, I think it's the messages and, and the love and support from everyone back home that keeps you going because uh, on the bad day, things go really badly and, and it's it's pretty difficult, you know, mentally-wise to keep focused and to keep keep control and, and not spiraling out of control is, is difficult. But uh, it's what I love doing. I absolutely love the adventure side of Dakar. You know, the early morning starts. Some days we're on at uh, 3 o'clock in the morning. And uh, the late evenings, 4 or 5 o'clock in the evening, finish the whole day on your bike. I mean, it's it's what I signed up to do. It's what I love doing. And uh, Dakar's completely different, you know. It's not the fastest guy's going to win. It's always the, the guy that's the smartest that's going to win at the end of the day. And uh, there's there's so many things that you have to take into consideration. And it's, um, yeah, it's the, it's the long race. It's not just day by day and 14 days of, of being on a motorcycle. And obviously this year they've made it a lot longer and two days longer and um you know day wise so it's gonna be an interesting Dakar this this coming one. But uh I've been training really hard and I've got a mental coach on board now that's that's helped me incredibly well. So yeah, I think uh I think we've got everything in place. You know, obviously Lady Luck has a has a lot to do with it on a race like that. But uh, all in all, we've got everything that we can have under control, under control. And uh, now we've just got to let it play out. And we've also just got to remember the small things, you know, like remain smooth throughout the rally and not try to push too hard in the first couple of days.
0: Now, it is a team effort, but it's also a solo effort. Uh, Can you tell us uh, two things, Uh, the mechanical side of things, uh, if something happens to the motorcycle? And secondly, the navigation as well. That's just as crucial. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah the two the two hardest points of dakar rally is what you've just mentioned um the mechanical side is extremely difficult and obviously you've got to keep that in your mind you know you want to race and you want to win and you want to be up top of there but you've also got to remember at some some parts of the race you've got to you know preserve the tires you can have something small like a tip over and put a put a hole in the tank from a rock you know and you lose all your fuel So it could be, uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff you've got to think of from the mechanical side. And obviously, you've got to know the bike really well because if you do have a mechanical problem, you've got to fault find extremely quickly so you don't lose any time and and get your your bike back on the road and make sure you can get it back to the bivouac safely. And then the navigation side, it's… it's extremely difficult, you know. Uh, it makes it really hard. We're doing 160 kilometers an hour through the through the desert, and we've got to try and read a little piece of paper that we have to scroll by ourselves with our finger. Um, it's it's extremely difficult but you know it's 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 the same for every single rider um, everybody struggles with navigation uh, you can see it on TV you know when everybody's doing big circles and they say we lost it means that we are extremely lost <laughs> but it is it is a part of the game and it is uh, a part of the journey that you take on Dakar and it is frustrating you know you want to be going in the, in the correct direction and not 160 k's an hour in the wrong direction so um, it all, all plays its part and it is extremely tough Uh, uh, mentally wise more than physically wise it's it's demanding because of the the time that you're on the bike and obviously with so many things going on and so many things to think about it's it's really really tough
0: now the speeds have steadily risen Uh, you've got the 450 bikes um you know pretty much with technology i guess the bikes are getting lighter and faster
1: yeah, <laughs> um, in my in my opinion, they're going way too fast at the moment. <laughs> but uh, you know, our top speed in in the deserts in the past couple of rallies has been uh, up to one hundred and eighty nine kilometers an hour. Um, but Dakar Rally has now, due to the safety point of view, they've put a speed limit on the bikes for twenty twenty three, and that's uh, limited to one hundred and sixty k's an hour. Which, in my opinion, is is not really the Dakar, you know, because I think it's uh, the speed has has a lot to do with the race. Um, I I don't think it's going to make it much safer than it is because if you crash at 180 k's an hour, if you crash at 160, it's still really painful. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I think it's a test that they've have to take. Um, otherwise, you know, the technology of the bikes and the and like you say, the speed of the bikes is just going to keep on growing until we go um, to some ridiculous speeds of over 200 k's an hour. So. I don't know. We'll have to see how it goes. Uh, I think everybody's um, on the edge of the seats to see how this uh, speed limit's going to work and if it favours us riders or if it if it doesn't. But uh, like I say, it's the same for everybody. Um, obviously, it's going to be a benefit to the factory riders um, that have the you know that have the speed limiters on the bikes already built into them. Whereas if you you know a privateer, you don't have the access to that kind of material. So, I do think it's unfair on that side. you know when they brought in the the road book rule of of giving the road book only in the morning, it helped everybody and it put everybody on a on a very even playing field. so I was really about that and and before that but now with a with a speed limit rule, you know if you go hundred and sixty one Ks an hour, you're getting penalties already and uh with the factory bikes, they can they can limit it to 160 where they don't have to worry about the speed. But uh, you know, the privateers are still gonna be able to overshoot that speed and get penalties. And I don't think it's fair to win or lose a race on, on time speeding penalties. So it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out and, and what happens. But uh, yeah, I, at the moment for for the top guys, it's all, all the same and we'll just have to see how it goes and play it by yeah.
0: We're speaking exclusively to Dakar Motorcycle Superstar Ross Branch. We'll be back! All the four- and two-wheeled action. Motorsport 411. So welcome back, Uh, part two of our exclusive interview with Dakar Motorcycle Superstar Ross Branch. Ross a two part question uh, first of all uh, the issue of uh, cars trucks and bikes uh, all racing at the same time uh, from a safety point of view is it a hindrance uh, does it help you even with navigation and also how big is the Dakar becoming it appears to be getting bigger and bigger every year uh, you know you got big names uh, from Carlos Sainz even Sebastian Loeb uh, people like that uh, competing in it you know moving from the WRC uh, into it uh, h- how big is the Dakar becoming
1: uh, that's a really good question, you know, and that's part of the behind the scenes that not everybody gets to see. Um, it is it is unbelievable how Dakar itself is, and uh, it's it's huge. You know, we have over 4,000 people in the bivouac every night, and it's it's like a small city. And for us, you know, to see those, those famous names and everybody coming across from, uh, you know, not only the car drivers from WRC and stuff, but also the bike riders from World Championship Motocross and from um, the World Enduro Championship. You know, it's it's really good to see. I know that this year they've put a limit on the bike numbers, entries. So you, that just shows you how how fast and how furious it's growing. You know, it's a it's a really big thing, and obviously the time of the year. It's January. There's no other sports on. Uh, no no football, no athletics, no other motorsports. So I think it it attracts a lot of attention. The Dakar Rally. So everybody wants to be a part of it. But, um, yeah, it's it's unbelievable how big it is. Um, and with us racing with the cars and trucks, you know, it's one of my goals from the beginning that I don't want to be caught by a car. And uh, touch wood from, from the time I've started till now, I haven't been caught by a car. Um, you know, last year, well, this year at Dakar, they they tried something new and they they swapped us over. You know, because the car guys' navigation is a little bit easier um, with some bike lines in front of it. Where as whereas we opening these bikes, there's there's no lines and there's no way to follow. So so I think it is a bit more difficult. And uh, Dakar tried something new where we swapped over where the bikes would we to follow a car track for one day and uh, it ended extremely badly for me personally because, uh, you know, the, the cars and, and the guys and the trucks, they build up such big braking bumps and, and they bring up such big rocks under the ground, which obviously weren't there um, when the opening car goes and marks the route for dangers. So it was really dangerous for the bikes. But uh, I get where is coming. You know, they're trying to they're trying to change up the rally a little bit and, and make it a little bit more open for everybody. So they do have some good ideas, and they are trying some cool stuff for everybody. And for sure, for the fans and, and everybody watching at home, it's exciting to see these changes happen for Dakar. Um, but, yeah, I like it as it is. You know, it's been traditionally that the bikes go first, then the cars, then the side-by-sides, and the trucks go after that. So, I think it should stay as it is because you know they've they've been a. A good organization from the get-go and so many years it's a it's a well-oiled machine it works well and uh, I think everybody's used to Dakar as it is so I personally um, really really like the the current format of Dakar um, so all these changes coming in I don't think they're too necessary I don't think we need them I think they should keep them as as Dakar is because it is the toughest off-road racing in the world and I think that shows with everybody coming to the event you know with uh, guys like Loeb and and uh, Alatia and Carlos Saints, and you know I think it's it's what everybody works for. If you look at Toyota, they put all their effort in year year to year. Just to go to the Dakar Rally, and a and a manufacturer like that being so big, focusing on one race throughout the year means that it must be really important to a manufacturer that's the biggest sales in cars, you know. And then uh, obviously with Hero Motorsports joining the the program as well, it's it's obviously showing that they're doing a good job for sales and for marketing and and for the things that we need to continue racing. So I think they need to keep it as it is. But that's my personal opinion, you know, other guys will have different opinions, but it is, it's is—it's—it's um, really unbelievable to see uh, how big it is and to all the listeners on your show, if you have the, the opportunity to go and see Dakar and just be a part of the event, even if it's for a day or two, you know, uh, use your savings, break your piggy banks and go and do it because it is incredible and uh, it's once in a lifetime opportunity to go and see what it's about and, and walk through the bivouac and, and see all the guys and it's really incredible.
0: All right. uh, Let's talk about Africans uh, competing in the Dakar. We know in the car division, uh, it's massive business uh, for South Africa. In fact, we keep in touch with Guy Bottrell, who's uh, taking part in the South Africa cross-country series. Uh, He's taking part, uh, you know, competing with the Toyota Gazoo racing team. Um, But from the motorcycle point of view, um, You know, uh, I guess we can put this together. Uh, How many Africans are competing in the Dakar? And what's the future? Uh, We see from Kenya, our very own uh, Salim uh, Wali Muhammad. Uh, He took part in the Abu Dhabi, uh, you know, the Abu Dhabi race. Uh, That was the first time uh, for Kenya to compete, uh, you know, internationally in in that event. Uh, What what do you see as the future for Africans in the race, uh, particularly the motorcycle category?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, first of all, a big congratulations to Salim. I, w- I was with him in Abu Dhabi and uh, he he was extremely amazing ambassador for your country. And uh, he flew the flag high and it uh, was so good to see, you know. And uh, the future of, of Africans in general going to, to Dakar is extremely bright. You know, when I went to Dakar, it was myself and Kenny Gilbert that did it from South Africa. Well, basically from Africa. It was, uh, you know, only a couple of us and Dave Reeves from Zan- Zambia has done it. You know, there's there's a couple of guys throughout Africa that have done it. But I think uh, you know from last year and uh, this year coming, there's there's so many more athletes that are that are getting involved. And you know, Graham Sharp from Zimbabwe is coming back again, and uh, he's bringing two more guys from Zimbabwe. Um, there's so many South Africans jumping on board and coming. So I think it's extremely bright uh, future for. Um, Africans in general to come to, to Dakar. I think the biggest problem for all of us that we all face is obviously exchange rates and trying to get the sponsors to cover the cost to go there. It's extremely difficult. But I think, you know, with all of us doing this and, and I think Graham and, and Dave Reeves and, and uh, you know, Ingo Valschmidt from, from Namibia, I think if we all had to get together and and all our sponsors that helped us get to those, uh, those first couple of Dakars that we all did, I think they would say a show, you know, that they they got their money's worth and their advertising worth because it is the biggest motorcycling event in the world and uh, they got their return that they needed. And I think it shows. Just to to all the companies that are listening that are wanting to get involved, you know, it is uh, an extremely good marketing uh, value for your for your product, and uh, I, I urge the sponsors to get behind the riders. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to go out and win Dakar to to go and uh, get the the amount of. Um, you know, return on investment for your sponsors that they need. In you know, you could be at the back of the pack and Dakar make a really good story about you, and you know, it's shown to millions and millions of people in the world. So it is extremely good for advertising throughout Africa and through for all the sponsors that get involved. Um, so I think uh, as soon as more and more sponsors come in on board, then I think we'll see more and more riders getting involved and going to Dakar. So um yeah you know like uh we've got a dakar group in in southern africa all the guys that have the ability to drive to where we are you know we all get together especially this time of the year and we go up to namibia and we do a training school and we do road books all together we sit in the evenings and try help each other out and learn from each other so yeah i think we all um you know help each other even when we get to the races it's it's extremely important to stick together as africans and uh yeah like i say the training is really important we have uh a whole bunch of us going to Namibia next week to do to do a bit of riding and to do to do a bit of uh, soul-setting, you know. I think we all need it and uh, we all need to help each other with what kind of training programs we're on. So uh, I think it's good to see that, that all of us Africans stick together throughout the entire time, you know, from the time you start raising money to the time you actually get on the start line to the finish. So it's really good to see. Uh,
0: just tell us about your fitness regime, or what what do you do? Uh, you know, diet as well. I guess you would you would have to watch what you eat as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, I think when I first went to Dakar, I think it was a little bit easier on the fitness regime. It was more more about the mental side of things because you have to be mentally so strong, and especially from my background, you know, of racing off road racing in South Africa and Botswana. Um, you only race for one day, maximum two days at a desert race, you know. So I think to try and get your mind mentally fit for 14 days of racing was a really, really hard uh, thing for me. And uh, yeah, since I got better at that, I've I've started working again really hard on my fitness because you know every day now the guys are going so fast and they're going so hard all day every day. Um, whereas you know my first echo, you could probably you know race the first half of the stage and then rest a little bit and try and let your body recover for the next day and i think the guys are now taking it to the next level they're racing as fast and as hard as they can the whole stage every day all day so i think everybody can see that you know the bikes are taking a hammering the riders are taking a hammering there's a lot more crashes and and uh, a lot more going on in the bike division definitely and uh, yeah, so I think uh, the guys have taken it to a next level, you know. And uh, if you follow Sam Sunderland, he's the hardest trained, hardest working rider there is at Dakar at the moment. And I think he's set it to the next level. And yeah, I think we all we all um, you know close behind him. And I think everybody's hungry for a win. So there's going to be twenty guys that are going to the Dakar this year that can win it. So you've always obviously got to put your body and your mind on top of that list. You know, it's not uh, it's not going to come down to. Talent or speed or anything now—it's going to come down to the person that's done the most homework, and the person that's done the most navigation training, and the person that's worked the hardest in the gym, and the person that's eaten the healthiest. So for sure, you know, uh, at the moment we're on the most crazy training plan uh, I'm on, and I started working with a mental health coach, and he's incredible. You know, Russell White has worked with some of the best athletes in the world, and. Uh, yeah, he's done amazing things for me and uh, I think it's it's turned my, my game around and definitely taken it to the next level. You know, like he says, we don't need to worry about the 10% increase or the 15%. Now we need to work on the 1% increases because I think everybody's on the same level and those 1% increases are going to come down to winning or losing at the end of the day.
0: Ross, uh, all things remaining constant, and we know the competition is getting stiffer and stiffer every year. What would you be happy with uh, in terms of your performance uh, in 2023
1: uh, Dakar? Um, I, <laughs> it's, a, it's a really good question. You know, I'm definitely going out to win. That I can promise you. Um, but I'm happy to get to the finish line. Um, it's been two years of of a real struggle for me. You know, I know I've got the pace to, to be where I want to be, but it's uh, ended badly. And, uh, I'm, you know, I'm starting to take the luck division out of it. You know, I'm not so believing in luck anymore. I'm making my own luck. And uh, I would just like to be at the finish line. I know if I can be at the finish line, the result is going to be really good so for my for my main focus now it's going to be to the finish line but you know what it's like if i get to the last couple of days and i've got a chance to win the race it's going to be all or nothing that i can promise you
0: (laughs) that is so awesome to hear uh just tell us about the name uh, kalahari ferrari (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, it's uh, it's really close to my heart. It's really close to my home. Obviously, being born and bred in Botswana and and living in Botswana my whole life, and and riding through the Kalahari Desert most of my entire life. You know, when I was racing motocross, my dad used to take me out on out rides and. And have a lot of fun on the bike. And, uh, you know, I started racing the the annual Toyota Desert Race, which was huge for Africa in general. It was one of the biggest sporting events before we lost it to South Africa. Um, you know, and it was a thousand kilometers through the Kalahari Desert. And uh, one of the villages that we stopped at the fuel stop for, um, the guys obviously hadn't seen motorbikes coming through there for, for many, many years. And the local… Uh, In the local tradition, they have a donkey cart, which is, um, you know, a donkey pulling a cart, and that was their mode of transport. And uh, they always used to tell me when I stopped there for the fuel stop that uh, I'm the fastest Kalahari Ferrari they've seen go through here, (laughs) which was referring to the donkey cart, you know, (laughs) the fastest mode of transport. So it was really, really cool. And, uh, you know, I got home and I told my family about this whole ordeal and uh, that was it. It stuck, you know, and I think the locals uh, caught on to it and everybody started referring to me as the Kalahari Ferrari through Botswana and uh, that's obviously home for me and it was Incredible. You know, when I'd stop in the middle of Botswana on a training ride, they'd call me Kalahari Ferrari. They wouldn't call me Ross. And it just seemed to stick and it was just cool. And the logo that we managed to find and get together was was totally me you know it's me in the bush on a on a donkey cart cruising through there which is is like my upbringing you know it was it was fun for me to ride a donkey cart when i was young and uh yeah just uh it made sense and it's a bit of home you know when i'm racing all these international races it's a bit of home and having the botswana flag in the background is it means a lot to me
0: i'm sure you'd like to give credit to your family uh you know all the backing you've received uh, over the years and the support
1: Definitely. Um, Without them, it wouldn't be possible. You know, uh, growing up since I was three years old, they've had me on motorbikes, and my mom and dad. Uh, got me into a career that I wasn't even pushed into you know they gave me the opportunity to to take this career choice and path and then obviously my sister having to to give up everything that she wanted to do in her life so we could uh, focus on my racing was was you know there's there's not many people in the world that do that and then obviously you know I was lucky enough to to meet the lady of and the love of my life when I was four years old we grew up together and uh, we got married and you know my wife has been behind me and also So, you know, they've they've all put everything on the back burner to help me go through my career and to help me chase my dreams and to help me be at the top of the podium of Dakar one day. And uh, without them, it's not possible. And I think uh, it's, um, yeah, it's incredible. What I owe them is priceless. I'll never be able to thank them enough for what they've done for me, but... All of them, um, you know, have have taken this decision to follow my racing dream and to give up everything that they might have wanted to chase in their goals and their dreams and help me. They've never pushed me into it. They've always just been there to support me and help me. And I hope one day that I can repay them with a win. Um, you know, I know that they're not expecting it, but… Uh, it would just be—it'll just mean the world to me and uh, to them. If I could win, you know, it's—it's not—it's definitely not just me on the bike. It's—it's uh, it's a team effort. It's a family effort, and uh, everybody that's believed in me, you know, it would be repaying them in some small way. Uh, from the beginning of my career to the end, it's, uh, if I could win a race like Dakar or at least be on the podium, I know that they would be extremely proud, and uh, it would have felt like all the efforts and the hard work that everybody's put in throughout my career would have paid off in some small way
0: amazing incredible story uh why why do you love motorsport
1: there's no other feeling that you could get um you know i've always wanted to to chase my dreams and from the time i was really young and what i actually realized about life is that you've got to do what you love doing every day then it's not work and uh, i'm lucky enough to be in that position i had a you know, only one other thing, my parents parents basically said to me, okay, if you want to chase your dream in motorsports, then you have to make sure that you have something to become after an athlete, and obviously being a commercial pilot was on the top of the list, so I went and got that out the way, and uh, now I can race my motorcycle every day, loving my life, knowing that, you know, one day when my athletic uh, career does have to come to an end because of age or because of my body, then I know that I have something else behind me, and uh I don't have to stress, you know, I can get on my bike every day and just enjoy what I love doing. And, uh, you know, riding through the bush at the speeds that we do, maybe scare some people. And some people look at us like we crazy idiots that are going through, through the bush at 160 Ks an hour. But, uh, I fully believe it's what I was born to do. And I love doing it. And, uh, I go to bed every night with a smile on my face, being lucky enough to to be a part of what I do and be a part of a team like I am and just to travel the world. You know, uh, I never knew in a million years that I'd be sitting in India meeting the big boss of the the biggest motorcycle manufacturing company in the world, you know, and having dinner with them and just talking talking about racing and riding and where they started. And and it's just incredible to to be a part of this journey and to, to, to you know, to do things like this. So I love motorsports. It's given me a, an opportunity of a lifetime to, to travel the world. So I'm extremely lucky and privileged to be doing what I'm doing.
0: Ross Branch, the Kalahari Ferrari, It is an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Uh, The best of luck in the 2023 Dakar Rally. Uh, Once again, a big, big thank you uh, for speaking to us on Motorsport 411.
1: Guys, I can't thank you enough for having me on the show. And uh, to all your listeners, keep on listening out. And hopefully we can catch up one of the evenings at the Dakar Bivouac and... And yeah, for those guys looking to want to do Dakar, please give me a shot. And if there's any way I can help you out or give you some advice, then uh, let's do it. You know, let's let Africa take over the Dakar.
0: (laughs) Motorsports 411 with Sean Cardavillis. That's our exclusive interview with the Kalahari Ferrari, the Dakar motorcycle superstar Ross Branch from Botswana. Our thanks as always to Big City Studio. I'm Sean Carterbillis. See you next week.